feel like we should have known this already Were we even taught this at all? And welcome to Will This Be On The Test. I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. And we are here today to talk about some things we should have learned in school, but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And sometimes we're here to start some rioting. Oh, uh, well, okay. Before we oh, get we're into not that, actually going to start the rioting. Before we get into that, we've got two guests with us today. One is Draco Mielfoy, and Fezzik is back as well. So if you hear... Purring or meowing, those are our boys. The girls are sleeping in a window outside. Not outside, but outside of yeah, the room. They are uh, extra cute when they do it, too, because I saw them coming in home today, and Zumbi was just kicking Gigi in the face because Gigi wouldn't stop licking her. Austin, the ghost found my sunglasses. Oh, no, I found your sunglasses. Because the ghost showed you where they were. Yes, the ghost showed me where they were. I currently have three pairs of glasses on my head. Because I keep losing my glasses and I just found all three pairs and now my sunglasses are sitting in a corner. I've been looking for them for two weeks. Obviously you should put them on your head now too so you don't lose them. I can't. I'll, it'll make too much noise when I get up. Oh yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, um, so starting riots. Uh, so this is the week during which they overturned Roe v. Wade, as you might have heard if you listened to my episode delay. Which actually might not exist anymore because I delete those after a while. Um, so this was the overturning Roe v. Wade week. This was the... Today is the day that that former aide went in there and was like, let me tell you everything. Ketchup on the Oval Office walls. That is like, I feel that should be the symbol of Donald Trump. I did not read that part. He uh, threw a hissy fit and he threw his food and got ketchup on the walls and she had to clean it up. Meanwhile, he's over here claiming that he doesn't know who she is, but that she was also important enough for him to personally reject from Mar-a-Lago job. And this is all clearly retaliation for her not getting to work at a hotel. I know. I get real mad when I don't get to work for a failed dictator. I, I will say, like, getting turned down for a job at a hotel seems better than getting accepted for a job at a hotel. Not because... There's anything wrong with hotel workers. There's absolutely not. I have like massive respect for people who are able to put up with humans like that. The last hotel I stayed in though was God, probably a four star at least, maybe a five star, which is not like me. My old job paid for it. And so I went to plug my, plug something into the TV because I had one of those TV things where you can attach your phone, your computer. It was sticky. Ew. It, I'm really glad I didn't bring my, my black light with me to the very expensive hotel. But also, why would a maid think that they need to scrub that? I don't blame yeah, them. This is... Although, this is also the hotel where somebody walked in the room while I was showering. Good times. Hashtag five stars. Never has once happened at the motels with the outside doors that I nope. usually stay at. Never once. Even though, um, actually, we visited with my mom this weekend, and she mentioned the time that we were staying at one of those cheap hotels, and she got an obscene phone call. And I she kept them on the phone for a while because they seemed interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I did get robbed once um, in one of those cheap hotels. It was definitely the cleaners, but the only things they stole were my engagement and wedding ring and anniversary ring for my first marriage. And, and they honest, were cursed. And, like they, I had a whole bunch of like costume jewelry with me because I was going to a wedding and I didn't have time to actually look. 
And then I had three real pieces. Those are the only things they stole. So I'm guessing they brought one of those little, like, jeweler microscopes in. A loop. Do you really know what those are called? Yeah. How do you not know what those are called? Because I've never had real jewelry. I haven't either. I just paint miniatures. Um, so they must have brought one of those in because those are the only things they got. And I should have reported them in hindsight. Like, but at the time, my honest to God thought was the curse has been lifted. <laughs> it's their problem now. <laughs> I literally had those thoughts form in my head. <sighs> so yeah, it's been a hell of a week in terms of the world. It's also been a hell of a week here. I started a new job. Woohoo! I'm very, very excited. It's a place that I used to work that has let me come back. And I I loved working with them, so I'm so excited. Uh, Doing some additional work from another place now. Basically, I do nothing but work, but I'm not mad about it. Yeah. And then we also redid my entire office. It looks amazing. It does not have dust covering all of it like it did on the TikTok I posted a while back. It's pink and glittery. It is, but it's glittery on purpose, and the glitter does not fall everywhere. Much to Draco's chagrin. Draco loves glitter. So the world may suck right now, but at least there is glitter wallpaper. And my topic today. Ooh. Who goes first? I don't remember. I think you? I talked about the uh, newspaper family last time. You know what? There's an easy way to do this. I can look. What? Say words. All right, folks. So he's expecting me to kind of riff, I believe the word is. Vamp. Um, vamp, yes. So do you all hear Tom Hanks tell people to fuck off? Now, I've seen a lot of people being like, oh, I've lost all respect for him. Womp, womp, womp. Um, he believed his wife had been shoved by a total stranger. She actually believed that at the moment, too. If you watch the video, you can fucking see it. And so he turns around and he go, he's yelling at me. He's like, fuck off. You don't push my wife. Now... I've been seeing these people who are, like, p- applauding people for straight up murdering someone for, like, hurting some hurting one of their loved ones. But Tom Hanks yells, fuck off, and apparently he's a villain. No, Tom Hanks, you defend your wife. And I mean, she doesn't need your defense, because she, she could throw a punch. You can look at her and tell that. And it was the paparazzi. It, Nobody likes the paparazzi. It wasn't just the paparazzi. It was also some, like, random fans. Um, they were just trying to walk out of dinner. And, like, the one who ran into her. Was my favorite, though, because he runs into her and he's like, yeah, yeah, you guys, what are you doing? And actually, he wasn't the one who ran into her. But yeah, Tom Hanks yelled the F word and people were freaked out because his real voice sounds so much like Woody. <laughs> and, it, and I'm like, I'm, you understand he is not a cartoon cowboy. He kind of is, though. Oh, do you want out? No, he's just, the door's kind of open. He'll be able to get out. Okay. So who goes first this week? I go first this week. Okay, that's probably for the best because, um... My part is definitely R-rated this week due to the Roe versus Wade thing. So um, Austin's part, I checked with him, is G-rated. And mine is E for everyone. Mine is M for mature. So if you are a youth listening to this, or if you are an adult with youths around and you do not want to hear me tell them about birth control. Now, I had an entire episode about the history of birth control. This one is going to be about how to prevent pregnancy in a very realistic way. And if you don't want them to hear about that kind of stuff, if you want to have that talk with them yourselves, first of all, A, actually have that talk with them. And B, skip the second part of the episode. Yeah. Well, but don't worry. Let's uh, start with Austin. We're starting off with the like one of the most wholesome subjects I've ever covered. There is, okay, there's a little bit of genocide. 
but only because I'm talking about England and they did a lot of that. <laughs> but uh, so I was thinking about one of my favorite things in elementary school and it's something we, and it's, you know, animals. We learn so much about animals. I love animals. I was a zoo books kid. I would go, I know, I would go, I knew like from a very young age that the 590s were where all the animal books are. And I would go straight there to the library to get them every time. Yeah, we found out that we have a family of raccoons living outside. And Austin was so upset last year because his tomatoes all got eaten. And he wasn't sure what did it. But then we have this new family. And that's our buddy Ted the raccoon. And he's got a wife and three kids. Because I've decided that they have a family structure like that. And the one of the babies keeps falling in the pond. And it's, really, it, it's cute. really cute. And so, like, Austin, are you still mad at them for eating your tomatoes? And he was like, no, I wish I was growing more. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I think half of what I remember from elementary school is just animal facts. And like most kids, the coolest place to go and the best field trip was the zoo. Not to be confused with the petting zoo where I was attacked by a llama. We also got married at a petting zoo. We did. And I was not attacked by a you llama You were attacked there. by a goat. No, the goats loved me. The goats are my friends. They tried to eat your dress. I was fine with that. Yeah. Now, obviously, you know, there's also the option of theme parks, but my family was cheap, so we actually would go to the zoo. They would never take us to the theme park. And even though we learned a ton about the animals in the zoo, we didn't really learn much about the zoo itself. Mm Mm-hmm. And there has to be a story on how things got to be what they are now. Because if you think about it, zoos are a little weird. It's like, hey, here's a park. But we've got animals from all over the world and they just are chilling here and we take care of them and you can pay us to come look at them. Yeah, it sounds a little like P.T. Barnaby when you put it that way. Yeah, it's zoos are weird, man. But zoos like we have them now are fairly new. Okay. Uh, but there were things that were kind of like zoos going back to ancient Egypt, Greece, Rome, and China. Uh, they were uh, there things like menageries and gladiatorial matches. We're kind of the precursors to zoos. Uh, to be clear, we do not think of zoos as places that, in which you should fight lions. <laughs> My grandfather has the heart of a lion and a lifetime ban from the zoo. Um, we do, however, think that you should, in fact, be criminally charged for being partially eaten by a lion or a tiger. Basically, if you stick your arm in there and something happens, you are criminally liable. That is not trespassing and you should go to jail. Yeah, so they're I just... don't care if you don't have an arm. Oh, no. Absolutely not. And, of course, you know, there are these exotic animals that were just kept by the rich and powerful, either to show, hey, look at me, I've got this weird animal, and I can just keep it, and you can kind of look at it and see how rich and powerful I am. Or it's like, hey, you guys want to see some people fight a lion? No. No, I do not. Me neither. But these animals in these, like, menageries and these, obviously, the gladiatorial matches were not well kept. They were injured by their capture, and they weren't kept in spacious environments or really fed well. Like the uh, Royal Menagerie in London, uh, they killed an elephant because when they got it, they didn't know what it ate, and they just kind of assumed it ate meat. So they fed it nothing but meat, and it eventually died of malnutrition. Poor thing. Yeah. Also, element elephant bones in their feet look like human feet bones. Yeah. It's weird. Oh, uh, also, fun fact. The Royal Menagerie and all of, like, the exotic animals in London before they opened the zoo, they were kept in the Tower of London, like, with the traitors and the crown jewels. Did you know that there's a ghost bear outside the Tower of London? Yeah, there is. 
And also, they used to have a, uh, ta- a a special lion tower that got torn down. That's a bummer. Yeah. I mean, it's a bummer that they had lions and towers, but it's also a bummer that the lion tower is gone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and of course, you know, because these rich and powerful people were keeping these animals, they'd also give them as gifts to other rich and powerful people. Like, uh, King Manuel of Portugal uh, gave an elephant to the Pope in 1531. Because it was traditional to give the new Pope a gift. And so he thought, you know what the Pope needs? An elephant. That's actually something that happens a lot when they give, um, they give like local animals to visiting dignitaries in different countries. But nowadays, usually they're like, oh, but it's kind of a symbolic thing where they're actually being sent to like a breeding sanctuary for endangered species. Yeah, or it's like it's going to the National Zoo or something like that. Uh, Yeah, it was a wildly popular thing because the Pope would actually let people go see it on weekends. And it was the first elephant that had been in Rome since the Roman Empire centuries before. And uh, when this elephant died, it was actually buried in the Vatican and its bones are still there. Where in the Vatican? There was like a, like, not mezzanine, but an area that the thing was, the <laughs> elephant lived in. Sorry, Draco just stuck his nose up against the microphone. <laughs> and when it died, they just buried him under the floor there. Oh, What was the elephant's name? I didn't see it. That's sad. Yeah. Also, uh, the same King Manuel of Portugal uh, also tried to re-gift a rhino that he was given that he didn't actually want to the same Pope. But it died while the, uh, when the ship that was carrying it sank. Poor Rhino. Yeah. Must have been really scared. Yeah. Then, of course, another uh, King Henry was given some leopards, but uh, they only said they were leopards. In reality, they were probably lions. Did Thomas Jefferson do this? No, this was well before Jefferson. Remember when Jefferson tried to convince that guy that a, d- a certain animal existed, so he just sewed different animals together and sent it to France, yeah. and it was decomposing? Oh, TJ. Oh, TJ. But, you know, they didn't know they didn't know the difference between leopards and lions, so it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah these lions, totally leopards. Sorry, the cat just bit me. He thinks he's a lion. But in their defense, they didn't have, they hadn't invented Wikipedia yet, so how would they know? Uh, Pliny the Elder. Pliny the Elder, yeah. Pliny, they should have listened they to Pliny. They should have listened to Pliny. Always listen to Pliny. And, of course, the same, like, the Royal Menagerie also had a polar bear. And it was a, that was a gift from the King of Norway. Um, and his keepers would take it on walks by the Thames so it could catch fish and like, you know, roll around in the water. Uh, don't worry though, this polar bear was on a leash. That's so cute. (laughs) I know that they are like the most dangerous bears there are, but they're also smart enough to know when they've got a good thing going. It was a, um, specifically it had a collar and a stout rope. I mean, that's how I was kept safe as a child, too. A collar and a stout rope. Yep. <laughs> and, of course, you know, this collection of animals that was in the Tower of London would eventually become a big part of the first modern zoo, also in London. Because in 1824, as children were being mangled in factories and mine explosions, the mistreatment of animals was outlawed and the conditions of the menagerie had to change. I mean... I'm not mad about the second part. Yes. And, you know, the popularity of people coming to see animals was growing and more people were going to see it. So they thought, you know what? We could make a scientific institution where we study animals and we can fund the science by charging the public to come and look at them. 
That was really the first two. It's like, you know, hey, it's a win-win. We get to do science on animals, and the people can come look at elephants and hippos. Oh, also, this was during the time when the Royal Museum was stealing artifacts left and right from all across the British Empire. And, you know, the scientists were also bringing back all sorts of of specimens from far-flung parts of the globe that they were stealing. Uh And this was just another way to show off the breadth and wealth of the British Empire. So, again, like everything in England, it was stolen. Uh, Other research search zoos also opened up across Europe, including one in Edinburgh that was devoted entirely to public dissection of exotic animals. (sighs) We really liked public dissections for a while there. They were huge. As were the exotic animals. Yeah. And, of course, the, the zoo... Once it opened, it actually had to get, like, it had some very seriously popular and famous animals. The first of which was a hippo. A basich. They're so cute. I know that they're, like, murder machines, but they're so cute. A basich was traded to the London Zoo by the Ottoman Empire in 1850 in exchange for some greyhounds and some deerhounds. He was so popular, he was attracting about 10,000 visitors a day. Wow. Uh, they even wrote a polka about him. Okay. Yeah. The hippo polka. Um, they eventually managed to procure a mate for him. And on no, on the 5th of November in 1872, they had a calf. Because that's what you call baby hippo. And they named him, They named her Guy Fox. Because <laughs> it was November 5th. It was the 5th of November. Remember, remember, the 5th of November. Uh, and of course, this was quite a controversy. Yeah. Because like it's like, hey, he tried to blow up Parliament, and you're naming an elephant, a hippo after him. It's like, um, hippos are dangerous. <laughs> I know it was. And they're filled with righteous fury. Of course, and according to legend, uh, Obasich, uh once escaped his enclosure, and the keepers had to try and lure him back into it with bait. But we don't know for sure if this ever actually happened. The bait was a small child. On a leash with a sturdy rope? No, it's a child. Children don't need a sturdy rope. It could have been like a, it could have just been a small length of string. <laughs> so we don't know if this escape ever happened, but I know why you're here. You want to hear about some animals escaping the zoo. Because honestly, uh, I didn't know it had happened as much as it had. And it happens a lot. Mm-hmm. There's actually like dedicated teams like on call at the zoo in case animals get out. Because yep. it happens frequently enough that they need to have a trained team to respond to animal escapes. I mean, they're smarter than people. Yes, they are. Like, uh, we're going to start off with some of the funnier ones. Because actually, I don't, I don't almost entirely did funny ones. Because I wanted to do something light and happy this week. So I'm covering some of the fun animal escapes. Not the oh god, oh god animal escapes. Now, do you get it all in, do you address at all the ethics of zoos? I do. Okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure that we didn't leave people thinking that we, you know, have an opinion on zoos without it being an educated one. Yeah. So, like, there was a Humboldt penguin that managed to climb a wall and escape Sea Life Tokyo in 2013. And he managed to make it all the way across Tokyo Bay without them even knowing he was gone until he was photographed in a nearby river. And then they said, uh, I think he escaped. They're like, no, he didn't. But then they actually counted the penguins. And one of their 135 penguins was missing. Wait, so if they thought he didn't escape, where did they think the penguin came from? Yeah, they're just like, no, no, we have our penguins. Then they counted. You don't know who that is. It's not ours. Like, oh, oops. Yeah, oops, he did escape. Or 
there was Rusty the Red Panda that escaped from the DC Zoo and was spotted strolling through a nearby suburb the next day. When was that? I didn't write it down. Uh, it'd I think, be like the best day it was, ever. I think it was the late 90s. Best day ever. Or here's actually a kind of terrifying one. Uh, in the Bronx Zoo, they had to shut down the reptile house and search for a two-foot-long, pencil-thin, venomous Egyptian cobra that had escaped the exhibit. Oh god, I must have been nearby. Are you a parcel tongue? You've seen how reptiles react to me. Yeah. Reptiles actively try to kill me. I have had to be, I've been told to leave areas of reptile, like, sanctuaries because I get them too riled up just by being there. Then there was a sea lion that escaped that caused an international incident. Uh Uh-huh. When he escaped from the Ontario Zoo zoo and swam all the way to Sandusky, Ohio. And it was like, mistake, mistake, and tried to turn around. Yeah. Uh, they did capture him, and they kept him briefly in their zoo before they were tra- they transported him back to Ontario. But there were people calling for the zoo to keep him, because he had crossed that international border, and there had been a Supreme Court case in 1898 about a different escaped sea lion. <laughs> That had determined that wild animals that escape their owners are no longer considered the property of their former owners. But he was an illegal immigrant and needed to be deported. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'm going to talk about a legend. This is, like, the best escape artist to ever be in a zoo. Like, they called him the Harry Houdini. And he is one of the most popular animals in the San Diego Zoo's entire history. Uh, I want to talk about Ken Allen, the orangutan. It's like just some dude. Ken Allen. Wait a second. That's the name that Joey uses to trick women on Friends. That's his fake name. Oh my god. (laughs) Ken Allen. Ken Allen, the orangutan. How you doing? We haven't had a Friends reference in a long time. Yeah. Ross wouldn't even be clever enough to come up with a fake name. Please. Like, he'd go to a zoo. He'd be all about the Natural History Museum and their dinosaur fossils that don't even try to escape. Oh, God, if they did try to escape, Haven't that would be... have you seen Night at the Museum? Or Jurassic Park? Those aren't fossils. But they're from dino DNA from the amber. But in Night at the Museum, Sue is there. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie. It's been a long time. Austin and I got to see Sue in person once. That's pretty cool. It was really cool. Her skull is huge. Mm-hmm. All right. So Ken has actually been escaping since he was an adolescent. He would undo the bolts on his cage, and he would wander about the nursery at night and just kind of look at stuff, and then he returned to his cage and put everything back before people came in the next oh morning. Oh, my God. I love him. But in 1985, he made his first big escape by climbing a retaining wall and wandering about the zoo during operating hours. <laughs> just chilling. Yet luckily, he was peaceful and just walked around, posing for photos and looking at the other exhibit- exhibits before keepers guided him back to his enclosure. And when I say posing for photos, I didn't mean just sitting there. He would take photos with people, like group shots. He just wanted to, he just wanted to live, man. Yeah. So he just, like, it wasn't selfies yet because it was the 80s, but like, oh my god, get a picture with the orangutan. He'd just come over there and get a picture with him, and he's like, okay, oh my god, I'm gonna go best. look at I'm gonna go look at the flamingos now. Well, like, 
during the actual COVID lockdown lockdowns, zookeepers obviously had to keep working, but they would take animals to see different animal exhibits. And I'm like, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard of. I'm looking yeah. at a picture of Ken Allen right now. Uh, they beefed up the wall and they made it about four feet taller and like, you know, thought, okay, he's not going to be able to escape anymore. We've like made this better. But then he climbed over it again a couple months later. Uh, this time he went to another orangutan enclosure and threw rocks at <laughs> Otis, a former pen mate that the, all of the zoo pe- pe- keepers agreed was very disagreeable. Very disagreeable. Yeah. So he didn't like Otis. So he escaped just to go throw rocks at him. <laughs> He was a Bornean orangutan. He died in 2000. Why can't he still be alive? I, I know. I know. Oh, oh, I just read how he died. Yeah, so I'm going to get into okay. it. It's real sad. Yeah. In his third escape in 1985, because he escaped three times in 1985. He is just living his life. Uh, he escaped when a maintenance worker who had been working on had left behind a crowbar. And so he took up this crowbar and he threw it to a female orangutan named Vicky <laughs> that used it to pry off one of his windows and he escaped for the third time. And Vicky just was like, peace? Or did she go with him? Vicky, Vicky was just like, peace. Yeah, I was just like, He had an accomplice this time. Like, they had Kid Allen, they had Vicky, they had another orangutan named Karen. Like, this place just gives yeah. them human names and I kind of love it. Karen does not have the haircut I love. No, but Karen did, was the first ever orangutan to have open heart surgery. Oh, so this time, like, after this escape, he was put into an escape-proof enclosure uh-huh. while they redesigned his exhibit uh-huh. that included a TV that played one station to keep him entertained. What station? They didn't say. I bet it was MTV. He wanted his MTV. And while they redesigned his exhibit, they put up electric wires, they hired professional climbers to test to see if there were any climbable paths, and during this time, they also realized that Ken Allen could recognize the zoo uniforms and would not do anything of his being observed by the zoo workers. So they had to have special, like, plain clothes zookeepers to watch him for escapes. I love him so much. He made one more attempt to climb this wall, and but he tried to climb it, but he encountered the electric fence and was discouraged and... Didn't try any more escape attempts after that. The zookeepers thought he had settled down and kind of fallen into his role as, like, the male family man kind of doing his orangutan things. But he was just biding his time. Ken made his final escape two years later. (laughs) The water pump for the moat around his enclosure had failed and the moat dried up. So he simply walked across the dry moat, scaled the wall... And went for a stroll in the gardens, posing with tourists, <laughs> when he was eventually spotted by a gardener and the keepers led him back to his exhibit. And he's like, oh, damn it. And of course, because of these escapes and how friendly he was with the guests, Ken Allen was a star. The zoo sold free Ken Allen shirts. <laughs> and a folk song was written about him. I want a free Ken Allen shirt. And Ken, even though he was done escaping, he was a bad influence on the other orangutans. Uh-huh. Uh, he taught others how to escape. Two of his companions escaped uh, when they found a squeegee on a five-foot pole and used it to vault over the wall. They're so smart! 
and they were found just wandering around looking at the flamingo exhibit. So they all love the flamingos. Love the flamingos. They're freaking weird. Yeah. But they didn't ever try to hurt any of the other animals. Like, they didn't try to go into their enclosures or anything. No. They just wanted to look at stuff. Just wanted to wander around. They're so smart. Like, yep. And, like, the the chimpanzee that attacked that lady, the owner had it drugged and shit. Like, I mean, I'm not saying you should go hang out with orangutans or anything. No. But... They're, they're wild animals and are very strong and unpredictable. Yeah, but make good choices. Yeah. Uh, don't scare them. Call the appropriate authorities. But if one comes up with a cell phone and wants to take a selfie with you... Yeah, absolutely. Um, chances are that's Bigfoot. Go ahead and do it. Of course, uh, since he was done trying to escape, he uh, simply devoted more time to his other favorite hobby, which was giving children the finger. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ken lived until the year 2000 when he was diagnosed with uh, B-cell lymphoma and had to be euthanized. Oh, I thought it was prostate cancer. No. Uh, the San Diego Zoo thing I read was B-cell lymphoma. Mm. Was it, was it because of his horrible smoking habit? <laughs> but I like to think that this was all just a ruse. That Ken Allen faked his death and used it to escape the zoo and is living his best orangutan life somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, flipping off children, thinking he's Bigfoot. He is on Pluto with Harambe. <laughs> God. No one's going to understand this. Uh, I was... A while ago... Uh, we were talking about how, like, you know, everything went to hell in 2016 after Harambe died. But I insist it's happened ever since Pluto was taken off the list of planets. And then you said, what if Harambe is on Pluto? Uh-huh. And I painted it. Yeah, and Ken Allen is now up there with him. Yep. That's just where all the apes go when they're tired of Earth. I wonder what season of Friends the Ken Allen reference was, because that would he died in 2000. That would have been six years into Friends. Yeah. So, obviously, like, zoos have changed a ton. Uh, they went from being collections from the, of the wealthy to being a way to use public interest to fund scientific research to modern times when the goal of many zoos is raising awareness of wild animals and the threats posed to them by hunting, habitat destruction, and global warming, and other man-made problems. And also, uh, to an extent, wildlife rehabilitation and captive breeding programs in hope of preventing extinction and threatened species. And yes, there are very bad zoos and very bad wildlife parks. Like, we all watched Tiger King. Yes, and it kind of got lost in translation that most of these people treat their animals horribly. Yes, they do. Like, we know now they've how many, like, corpses they've dug up on, um, God, the, the Tiger King. Yeah. On his land that were clearly just shot in the head. Um... We don't talk about Carol Baskin situations because no. we're all supposed to be like, yay, Carol Baskins all the time. No, she's not good either. She's um, less bad, but she's not good. And then there's Doc, who has a Run, cult. Uh, has a goddamn tiger cult. Has a cult and also drugs his animals. Like, okay, no, a allegedly, allegedly. But we didn't get to see enough of the Scarface guy. I don't know. He could be fine. I think that was just a, he was a private owner and not running like a wildlife for-profit park. He did something similar, but he um he was actually supposed to be in it more, but then they found out where the real story was, and he kind of disappeared. I'm like, I'm sorry, the real story is not Scarface? Yeah. But, so, yeah. So, zoos. Like, there's definitely problems with zoos. Yes. Like, because, uh, in my own personal opinion, I do agree that it is best for animals to exist in the wild, in their own habitat. I that think... is ideal and great. But, I think even zoologists and zookeepers would agree that in an yeah. ideal situation, we would not need zoos. But the human world's a mess. 
I say that all the time. That's the other thing I remember the other day that I say all the time. Yeah. The human world, it's a mess. It's like, it's like, there's lots of places where there is not a habitat for these animals to live. Mm -hmm. They cannot survive in the wild. We've destroyed their homes. We've destroyed their food sources. Global warming has made it so they, or what they eat, can't survive. Their habitats are being burned, clear cut away, like grazing property. Or they're being hunted to extinction for their horns. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's... Sometimes these animals cannot exist in the wild, and the good zoos are the ones that are trying to preserve these animals. And also, it's so stupid to say this because raising awareness can be, like, frowned upon. It's like, they're just raising awareness, not actually doing anything. But I know for me that my interests in conservation and environmentalism started in zoos. Yeah, and Austin's, like, super into it now. We're destroying our yard so we can have it be a habitat. Yeah, like... I loved the animals I saw, and as I learned about how they were in danger of extinction because of human actions, I continued to educate myself about the environment, and it has become a lifelong passion of mine. And I don't know if I would feel this way about conservation or the environment if I had not had that initial interest sparked by what I saw in the zoos as a child. He's actually getting kind of emotional. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and if you're concerned about a zoo being ethical... First of all, you can always research it ahead of time. Oh, yeah. Um, what do they actually do behind the scenes? Some of these places, you can actually, like, watch them do science through, like, one-way mirrors. Like, oh, yeah. Like, you can see them. They can't see you because you won't freak the animals out that way. Um, if you are allowed to touch the truly wild animals, that is not an ethical zoo. No. If it is a zoo that you drive through, it is probably not an ethical zoo. Probably not. If it is, if the animals seem really out of it, all of them, and it's not just like a really hot day, we're just lazy out of it, but like a, um, is this real life out of it? That is not an ethical zoo. We are not arguing that every single zoo out there is ethical. I will, I will continue to say, say that SeaWorld, largely not ethical. Yes. And I do, I do believe that people go into that field for the right reason. Mm-hmm. Just like every other field, I think most people go into it for the right yeah. reason and you just end up with the job you have sometimes. Yeah, and but there are, like, orca, whales bigger than belugas really should never be inside. No. Like, even dolphins, like, I don't think dolphins should be in captivity. No, it's like, the exceptions are when they are actually being, like, they're injured and they're being yeah. helped. Which, uh, by the way, uh, if you're looking for a more ethical, like, you know, alternative to SeaWorld... Uh, check out the Monterey Bay Aquarium. I want to go so bad. Me I too. love aqu- like Austin. The way he feels about zoos is how I feel about aquariums. Um, I warned him when we were first dating. I'm like, we're gonna go to the aquarium. He's like, yeah. I'm like, Austin, this is a make or break moment. You have <laughs> I to thought understand. It was adorable, even though like I think it was like you were you like were on the floor for like a full twenty minutes just looking at like one thing swimming circles in front of you. Yes. Oh, and that's that is the one thing. Touch tanks, pretty okay. That's not the same thing as being allowed yeah. to pet a baby tiger. Um, also, some of them like it. Like, it's really cute to watch them, like, come up to you, especially when they're like, hello. Remember that Remember that one at our zoo? Like, we went to the touch tank, and there was one that would like to swim by. And when it got next to a person, it would flop and splash them. Uh-huh. Yeah, so do your research on the zoos you want to go to. But they're, like, we fucked up nature. We fucked it up real bad. And the people who are doing this are largely trying to just do what we can to make up for it. Um, it's kind of like people love to say that shearing sheep for wool is unethical. And the problem is, if you don't shear sheep, the wool will keep growing. Like, they can get something like 
They, the, I think the biggest one they found had like seventy pounds of wool on it. Yeah, it's because they don't shed, and it's our like it's our fault that they end up like this. I think it was in New Zealand. I think it was Shrek the sheep. You can look it up. You can see it's a picture of it. Yeah, one that like, like ended up in the mountains somewhere. Yeah, if you don't shear them, they die. That one, like that one, shockingly didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. They found it and were able to take care of them. But yeah, if you but... don't shear them, they die. So yes, it is unethical that we have to do this, but it's not unethical that we do this because the unethical part happened a long time ago. Yeah, just and the, continued to happen until we couldn't undo it. Yeah, just the weight, stress, and overheating from sheep. It's like, yeah. And it's the same thing with zoos. Yeah. A lot of unethical shit went on for a very long time. It is too late to undo a lot of it. This is the most that we can do is try to learn from our mistakes, teach other people like Austin here about our mistakes, mm-hmm. and try to keep things alive that shouldn't have died off or become close to this dying off in the first place. And we have seen reintroduction programs actually work. Like the California condor from last week. Yeah, so do your research, but we are we like zoos around here. We like the ethical ones, and there are ways to report unethical ones. So yeah. Look that up if you need to. So are you ready for questions? I am. Okay. Will the King of England not knowing what a lion was be on the test? Yes. Wait, which which Henry was that? Uh, Henry the First. Okay. Will Ken Allen retiring from zoo escaping business, the business, to flip off kids be on the test? Oh my god, I hope so. Will Portugal sending multiple large mammals to the Pope be on the test? Absolutely. And will the hippo polka be on the test? No. No, it won't. Unless it's a music class. Even then, I don't think they'd play the hippo polka. Is it bad? I listened to it. It was a polka. Like, it was very forgettable. It was just... Don't you have a polka family? Yes. I can say I do too. Yeah, and this is one not... of the few weird things our families have in common. Yeah. <sighs> um, my great grandmother, guys. My uh, brother. This is back in the early late nineties, early two thousands. Was listening to Blink One Eighty Two at my grandparents' house, and my ninety something year old great grandmother comes in. And she looks at me and she goes, "What are you listening to? Do you remember what Blink One Eighty Two's language was like?" <laughs> and he, my brother's, like, "Oh shit." Um. And she goes, well, you know what this kind of music is, right? And he was like, uh. She goes, it's just polka. It's <laughs> just polka. And he's looking at her. And she goes, no, watch. And she grabs him and teaches him how to polka dance to Blink-182. <laughs> and it is polka music. I think that was probably the first and last time someone polka to Blink-182. Um, We can make this happen again. But also, like, seriously, guys, in your head, switch out the Blink-182 music for polka instruments with the same music. It's just polka. Wow. All right. Now it's time to transition over to my part. Draco, do you want out before we I start? Think Draco wants out. He's like, I'm too young to hear these things. Fezzik's like, I have had many babies. I wish I had known these things. Fezzik just looked at me like, how did you know? Oh, he's giving the sad eyes. Hi, sweet boy. Fezzik is about 12, 13 years old, I think, and a former stray for the first at least eight years, we think. And so he probably has lots of bibas out there. (laughs) All right, folks. So this past week, they were like, fuck Roe v. Wade, fuck women. We don't need any of this. So I am talking about how to prevent pregnancies. If you do not want little ears hearing this, then turn this off. If you have little ears... Uh, I'm just going to say as a former teacher, go ask your parents permission before listening to this part of the episode because I'm not going to be sued. And I'm going to say, listen to it anyway. Fuck authority. Do what you want, kids. So if parents, if you want to sue someone, sue Austin. They don't know my real name. All right. 
were not exactly hard to find. I've done a different podcast where they found out my real name. Yeah. So this is, I've been wanting for a long time to do a sex ed episode or series of episodes. And this one kind of got smooshed up to the front because of what happened. And since we are getting into an era where abortion rights are at best in question, I figured talking about actual methods of pregnancy prevention that are accessible are worth talking about. And I'm going to get into some details that we should have learned in school. And we did not learn, did not learn fully, or did not learn correctly. This is what the podcast is all about, my friends. Yeah, I know that uh, we were we were in high school in like the the dark depths of the abstinence only education, which is probably well, no, still they going weren't on. they weren't supposed to be teaching that anymore at that point. <laughs> so um, they were anyway. But my teacher was this woman in her sixties or seventies, and she literally taught it as "Don't have sex, or you will get pregnant and die." Just like in 10 Things I Hate About You. That was our sex ed. That's Mean Girls? I think. It was also in... It, actually, yeah, that was Mean Girls also. Um, And meanwhile, I remember her like saying that I'm looking at her and I actually really liked this teacher overall. But I looked at her and I was like, how many times a week do you go to the tanning bed? <laughs> you know which teacher I'm talking about. Oh, I, I had her too. She retired like the year after we had that class. I liked her though. She was fun. Overall. And I slept through the Miracle of Life video. <laughs> Because <laughs> that is how we ended our sex ed unit, was to scare you away from childbirth. Um, which really, uh, yes, you should be scared of childbirth. I was mostly terrified of the 70s hairstyles. But uh, I fell asleep, and I slept through the whole video, and my desk was literally across, the, across from her desk. I was three feet away. She was looking at me and watching me sleep. And when I woke up at the end of class, she just looks at me and smiles and gives me a thumbs up. <laughs> Because I, I was a good student overall. She liked me. <laughs> and I passed the test. I, I later did go on to watch The Miracle of Life on YouTube. It's not scary. It actually doesn't show that you shit on the bed when you're giving birth. Reason number one to use birth control. You will shit in front of a room full of people. You will shit in front of a doctor. Reason so number two. embarrassing. It is extremely common to break your tailbone while giving birth because you will slam your back down really hard and break it. The miracle of birth is just a whole lot of pain in addition to other pain. And for the rest of your life, you will pee whenever you laugh. Horrifying. So use birth control, kids. Um, so because of how poor my sex education was, I largely had to learn stuff on my own. TV, movies, and thankfully a website called kidshealth.org. I used that back then because if I had a question about whether or not something was normal, I didn't have a class that taught me, so I just had to look it up on the interwebs. I believe it was kidshealth.org I used, but if not, that is still a really good resource. Um, so if you are, even if you're a grown-ass adult, they explain things really well. <laughs> um, Alright, so in planning this, I'm looking almost exclusively at, first I'm going to talk about some stats. And then I'm going to talk about birth control methods that are largely available over the counter, except for uh, the pill, which I've talked about at length before. And um, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about STDs or anything like that, even though you should be aware of those, because the point today is pregnancy and pregnancy prevention. I decided to look at some lesson plans for guidance on how to do this and found several that had lessons on abstinence. Because even though most places are no longer abstinence only, they are abstinence focused. 
In fact, one of the learning outcomes in one of these was students will choose to be abstinent. And teachers are often given like raises and scores based on the goals that, that were set and how many kids succeed. I'm sorry, where are you watching the kids to find out if they're maintaining abstinence? <laughs> what are you doing? God, people get arrested for this. As they should. Yeah. This one I was looking at had one lesson on how to prevent pregnancy, a shit ton on STIs, one about condoms, and my personal favorite, because it goes back, it was almost all abstinence except for those things, a creepy role play lesson on how to say no. What? Oh, no. You had to be partnered. <laughs> I don't think that would be considered an appropriate way to say no oh. to someone. <laughs> okay. It's bad enough in class when it's like, okay, read this stuff out loud. And it's like, what? And vulva. Then you get to the, how, okay, it's like, come up here and sit and tell us how to say no to sex in front of all of your peers, child. This won't be embarrassing. And you get stuck up there with your crush. <laughs> but I just love your response to that was, oh, no. As if, like, that was your role play. Hey, do you want to have sex? Oh, no. <laughs> it's, uh, I believe, hold on, hold on. Okay, let me put, get in the mindset of this. It's like, I can't. I'm too high on drugs. <laughs> I got it from those theater tech kids. I, sorry, I used up all my saying no to drugs. <laughs> okay, though, so I was looking through all these lessons, and you would be shocked by how many of them had role-playing which I'm like, I'm sorry, are we confused about what we're doing here? It's like, wait, is it supposed to be sexy role-playing? Do I have to be a nurse? I mean, by default, it kind of has to be. <laughs> God! Um, they had a lot of art, like drawing stuff. A lot of group brainstorming about things like how to say no and how to talk to your partner about wearing condoms. Wait, 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 wait. So it was a bunch of group stuff erotic artwork and role play yes <laughs> yes it was and this is the thing guys if you knew me as a teacher you know that i am the get up experience the work blah 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 kind of teacher this is the one time where i think having it be predominantly lecture based is the way to go <laughs> yes um not because sex is anything to be ashamed of because it's not and you should feel comfortable as a student, as an adult, asking questions and learning more. You should. But the fact is that we don't. We're not there as a society. So let the kids, like, do, have one of those, like, computer things, like, games, where they can, like, tap things to make sure that they're paying attention oh, as like you Kahoot go. or something like that? Not a Kahoot, because that's, like, a, that's a competition thing. But <laughs> something that's, like, a check for understanding as you go through. Um, because that can be public, that can be private. It just shows that they are still engaged. Um, oh my God. And there was one lesson I looked at that talked about the question box, which is all, we all remember that. Um, it's on TV at the very least where you have a question about sex, you put it in the box. Um, it spent more time talking about how to decorate the box <laughs> than it did about pregnancy prevention. I believe that's called vajazzling. <laughs> Yes, I know the most the most popular way of vajazzling is to color it black and put yellow question marks all over it because that's what they suggested. <laughs> the American lesson plans, if they mentioned abortion at all, were on these supplemental lessons, which are not the required part of the curriculum. It's basically the different colored picture in the history book that talked about women. I mean, okay, as I can understand, like as a teacher, 
not wanting to touch that electrified rail in a classroom setting where Karen's spawn will tell her mom about it and you'll get talked about at a board meeting. Well, like, literally all it is is, first of all, if it's an approved curriculum by the district, as long as you don't say, go have abortions, you're fine. Um, to parents are always notified about this about this lesson happening. And literally all you do is explain to them what abortion is. Well, was. Now it's grab a coat hanger. Oh, guys, I've seen on the internet to take different herbal supplements and stuff to induce a miscarriage. Do not do that. Um, like, best case scenario, you'll end up in a lot of pain for a while and it'll go away, but you're more likely to end up with either nothing or a dead fetus that sends you into sepsis. And then you're in real trouble. Um, all right. So let's get into some stats. Oh, shout out to Canada. Canada had a lot of really good lessons for kids. Yay, Canada. Like, they still had a little too much role play for my liking. But it was Canadian role play, so it was it instead of a sexy a. nurse, it was a sexy Mountie. That's somehow worse. Right. Covered in maple syrup. <laughs> Gross. All right, so according to WebMD, women who don't use birth control, I'm talking about adult women, have a 15 to 25% chance of getting pregnant each month with variations based on age, like it's less likely after 30, menstrual cycle regularity, amount of sex, etc. You're most likely to get... <laughs> Sorry. You're most likely to get sex. No. You're most likely to get sex. If the other person doesn't say, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> You're most likely to get pregnant if you have sex two to three times a week every other day. You're also more likely to get pregnant while ovulating, but that is not the only time you can get pregnant. I get really angry about that later. Uh, your ovulation calendar can be off. You can ovulate at weird times. And sperm can live all up in there for up to five days. Sex is disgusting. It's never too early to talk to your kids about sex and pregnancy. The earlier you do it, the better off your kid could be because you don't end up with a kid who makes impulsive decisions regarding their bodies or who is afraid to come up to you for help if they're unsure of what to do. Or they will like, no, these are the no-no areas. If someone touches you here, you come and tell a parent. Um, I also want to mention, you know, you're like, well, well, my kid is little. The youngest person to ever get pregnant was uh, four. She gave birth at five. Five. Kindergarten. There is no reason to lay blame on anyone here other than the guy who raped her because she was five. Uh, they never found out who it was. A lot of speculation was about her dad, but they never were able to prove anything. Um, but like nobody thinks I need to t tell my kid about sex at that age. Also, this was a long time ago. Um, but that's the kind of thing where it's like, if someone touches you here, if somebody shows you this, you need to go get a grown-up who is not showing you those things. Mm -hmm. uh, that You're giving your kids the power then. Uh, but yeah, the she gave birth to a healthy baby boy who was raised as her brother. She didn't really understand what had happened to her, so yeah. The most recent CDC youth risk behavior study was in 2019, and it surveyed a ton of middle and high schoolers about risky behaviors like drug use and sexual behaviors. This, beha this study is actually really good. 2019 is probably the best year to look at that happened recently because COVID got in the way of a lot of things. Like, if you can't go somewhere to do the drugs and have the sex, you're less likely to be doing it. Uh, which does not mean you should, you know, lock your kids up to avoid this. In fact, that's going to make them rebel more. But so if we look back at that, for all grades 9 to 12, 38.4% of students admitted to ever of having had sex. Female students were less likely to do it than males. Now, note, this is all on the binary. This is not a non-binary study. I have... Nothing to say about that. I can't. I don't know what the reasoning was. Um, almost all states with percentages about of above 40.8 uh, were in the South. And the ones with the lowest having had sex rates were in liberal areas. 
So when they're like, the liberals just want to have all the sex. No, we want to teach comprehensive sex ed because it's been proven to make your kids less likely to have ir ir irresponsible sex or early sex. There is a correlation between comprehensive sex ed and lower, uh, lower sexual activity. The number who had any type of sexual contact, so not actual just intercourse, but any type, was about double. And we all know that that will eventually go farther than planned. Across the board, the number of states with zero sexual contact was zero. That's not to say there were no kids who had had no sexual contact. It was statistically insignificant enough to average up to zero. The average grade for in, the average intercourse for grade nine was 19.2%. About one in five kids about the ages wow. of 14 and 15 have had intercourse. The number rose to almost 57% by 12th grade. So if you have a 12th grader, there is almost a 60% chance that they have had sex, statistically. If you have a ninth grader, chances are, if they if you've got them and their four friends, one of them is doing it. So if you look at your average, like, uh, freshman jazz quintet, one of them is having sex. But actually, no, this is a jazz quintet. None of them are having sex, but any other group of five, probably. I mean, we learned in Mean Girls that they're the sexually active band geeks. Are they making up for the jazz qu quintets? Probably. Um... And then by age 18, the number who have had sex is actually higher for females. Ooh. Now, having sex in high school, you're like, yeah, no, that's normal. We've seen American Pie. Uh, no, middle schoolers are doing it too. I have actually had people say to me, middle schoolers don't need to learn about this. They're not having sex. They are. Middle schoolers get pregnant. And it's not, it's usually not because they were raped by an adult. It's because they weren't sure what their bodies were doing and they're impulsive or they felt pressured to keep a relationship. Like, it's actually pretty close to what grown-ups do in a lot of cases, except without any knowledge. So they're trying stuff out and they got pregnant. Or uh, they ended up having sex. Um, now, the an average of 3%... Sorry. Okay, I wrote it down. I wrote it down wrong. 3% um, of the students admitted to having sex for the first time before the age of 13. So, got a class, school of 100 kids. You've got a 5th grade class. Four classrooms, 25 kids each, 100 kids. Three of them have had sex. Fifth and sixth graders. Wow. Um, 2% are female, 4% are male. I'm doing some quick head math here. In Mississippi, the number goes up to 5.4% overall with 8.3% saying they'd done it uh, of who are male. Idaho actually had the lowest number. Well, it's because there's like, it's like everyone's like five miles apart in Idaho. You have to drive your bike real far. And let's face it, kids aren't that dedicated. So I'll just say the dotted line, the only way to guarantee pregnancy prevention is to never have sex. And since over half of 12th graders have already done it, it's too late. I mean, if they're not pregnant already, then they're not pregnant already, but they're already doing it. Chances are they're not going to be like, well, one and done. This means we need to talk about birth control for all high schoolers. The last time they had sex, nearly 48% did not use condoms. Girls were more likely to insist on condom use and make sure they were used than guys. Guys were less likely to use condoms. Ohio was the most likely to not use condoms, while New York was the most likely. In New York, the most likely place for people to use condoms, 44% didn't do it. The number not using birth control pills was higher, with 77% not using it. Males were more likely to say that the birth control pills had been used. Now, I'm not saying the girls were lying, I mean, I do think there's a chance of it, but I also think there's a good chance the guys assumed because they didn't want to take the responsibility. Almost 85% of Texans didn't use birth control. Ugh, that just results in more Texans. I don't like this. 
And here's what I think the most important stat is. 90.9% did not use two forms of birth control. Doubling up on birth control essentially eliminates the chance of pregnancy. So if you've got a, I mean, it depends on the birth control. Some of them yeah. do not work well together. Like a male condom and a female condom are not going to work well together. Yeah, they're going to, latexes are going to rub against each other and make holes. It's not good. Uh, female condoms? I read about them. I don't believe it's latex. But like birth control pills and condoms, really good combination. Oh, Draco just knocked into the thing, guys. Um, Then we've got over half of teenagers who get pregnant and drop out of high school. Notice I'm saying teenagers who get pregnant, not teenagers who have babies. Because the guys don't tend to get in trouble for this. No. The one high school I taught at, their policy was that once a girl begins showing, she has to go to the alternative school. And I asked, well, what happens to the guy? And they said, well, he's not a distraction. Really? Because I'm pretty sure he's the one walking around going, guess what I did? Like, they had girls there who were wearing bigger and bigger hoodies because they didn't want to have to go to, in this district, the far inferior alternative school. Some alternative schools are fucking amazing. Um, but they were being forced to get a worse education because they were they were distractions. Now, Austin, you and I had pregnant girls in our high school. Yeah. Were they distracting? No. No more than anybody else. Yeah. I mean, like, the mo- the biggest distracting thing in uh, our high school was... The cocaine. The cocaine. Mm-hmm. And even that didn't really affect us too much because we were really nerdy. Hugely. Uh, like, uh, yeah, drama ne- nerd, orchestra nerd. Like, no. Most rebellious thing Austin ever did was meet me. It's true. He was skipping class. I was. Uh, the U.S. has one of the highest teen pregnancy rates in the Western world. And teens who don't use contraception. Now, remember earlier I said women who don't use contraception ha- have an average of a 15 to 25% chance of getting pregnant when they have sex? Teens who don't use contraception have a 90% chance of getting pregnant within a year. Wow. You are incredibly fertile during those years. So, you know, I hope by now that's important to talk to your kids. Kids have sex, they get pregnant. Moving on. In 2017, almost 42% of births were to mothers who were over age age 25 and had a bachelor's or higher. Almost 54% of, of women who had less than a high school education had their first baby before age 20. So people who have a college education are more likely to wait. People who don't have even a high school are less likely to wait to have kids. This continues the cycle of poverty. I am not making any moral or intelligence judgments on anyone. Yeah, it's, I mean, you've got a huge, like, decades-long responsibility that you are just suddenly, it's suddenly there. Like, college might not be an option for you anymore, even with the best. Mm -hmm. And, like, even finishing high school might not be an option for you anymore. And a lot of this happens in low-income places with poor sex education. So if you don't learn what not to do and what to do, you're more likely to get pregnant. And then if you are already from a high-poverty family, you are less likely to finish high school. And that means the same thing for your kid. Poverty is a cycle. It is very hard to just end the cycle. It doesn't mean these people are stupid or immoral. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they deserve this in any way. It does mean that they should have better sex ed and access to easy access to birth control and safe abortions. Uh, all right, let's talk about the basic types of birth control that are available mostly over okay. the counter. Okay. All right, number one, you know I got to talk about it, abstinence. How the hell do you buy that over the counter? Oh, Magic the Gathering cards. Okay. Yep, there you go. If you grew up in America, you were told this was the best way to avoid pregnancy and STDs. And yes, that's actually true. Every time you have 
sex, that's the P and the V, with fertile people, you can cause pregnancy. Ergo, not having P and V sex, and by P and V, I mean penis in vagina. Yes, I am saying the words, it's just normally called P and V. Um, it's the best way to avoid pregnancy, but that's easier said than done. Even if we put aside things like rape and incest, there's peer pressure. There's the desire to keep a partner interested. There is the whole grape thing, which is what Amy Schumer calls gray area rape, where you're with somebody and you didn't say yes, but you also didn't really say no. And so you're not really sure if you wanted it or not. It's very, it's awful. Um, so while we can encourage, and there's also just hormones and impulse control, especially when you're younger. Um, so while we can encourage abstinence as prevention, we have to educate on the other stuff. But if you really want to encourage abstinence, tell your kids how gross sex is. There are sounds, there are smells, there are liquids smooshing around, there are, and like if we're talking about PNV sex, you got someone taking the thing they pee out of and sticking it into someone else's body next to the place they pee out of. Sex is disgusting. If you think about it that way, maybe you can reconsider. And then remember, if you get pregnant, you'll probably shit on the table and break your tailbone. <laughs> you all right? Yeah. Sex is disgusting. Uh, two, birth control pills. 92 to 99.7% effective when used alone. So I did an episode a long time ago on the history of birth control. It's fucking fascinating. And it's all stuff that Clarence Thomas is trying to undo. They're made of different types of ingredients based on individual needs. Um, it isn't immediately effective, though. So if you get on the pill, your doctor asks all the questions. They make a lot of assumptions of knowledge, which isn't their fault because they assumed you had sex ed. Um, I actually finally went into a doctor... Because I have polycystic ovaries. And I went into this doctor who I adore. I still see him all these years later. And I said, talk to me like I'm a middle schooler. I got sex ed here in Kansas. And he kind of smiled and he goes, okay. And he got out his like different, he had the models of like your fallopian tube stuff. And he was actually like walking me through it, not making me feel like an idiot. He was like, so here's what's happening right now. This is what's causing you the pain. Here, every, he's like, do you under, do you really get like what ovulation is? I'm like, I really don't. And so he walked me through it and didn't make me feel like an idiot. Uh, so when you go on any medication, ask questions, especially birth control, because we've ever watched, I didn't know I was pregnant. You know, most of them were on the pill. Uh, things like your weight can affect the effectiveness. You have to take it the exact same time every day for it to be effective. You have to um, wait to have sex after you've started it. Some sources say a week. I was told at least a full cycle. I would go with the full cycle just to be safe because safe is good. Um, a lot of medications interfere with effectiveness, especially antibiotics, but it's not just those. If you are on any medication, just assume it's interfering with your birth control and use a second form of uh, birth control. Uh, birth control can cause a lot of uncomfortable side effects like weight gain, stomach flu tech symptoms, vitamin level changes, and more. These should all stabilize eventually, and you can take supplements for the vitamins and stuff. They can also cause fatal blood clots. Tell me, Austin, can condoms cause fatal blood clots? It depends on how many you eat. <laughs> Austin is very uncomfortable with this topic. <laughs> no. <laughs> um... The thing is, like, guys are like, I don't want to wear a condom. It's uncomfortable. You know what's uncomfortable? A blood clot. Dying. However, it is rare enough that you should not avoid using birth control because of the risk of blood clots. So you should just look out for anything that seems kind of like a stroke or a really bad headache and don't smoke. That's just good advice for life. Yeah, just don't smoke in general. Smoking bad. As a former smoker, for the love of God, don't start. All right, then we got plan B. 
It's 95% effective within 24 hours, 85% effective between 25 and 48 hours, 58% effective within 49 to 72 hours, unless you're over 150 pounds, then it's anybody's guess. Again, a lot of these guys, the pill, like anything medical, you're basically screwed if you're um, not small. It's also called the morning after pill. People call it the abortion pill. That is incorrect. You are not pregnant. You are not pregnant until your egg is all warm and cozy and attached to the side of one of your organs like a parasite. This stops that from happening. If you have already been fertilized and there is a parasite growing in there, I love babies. That is not coming across. I actually adore <laughs> babies. Austin can vouch for that. I am terrified of babies. But you have seen me with babies. Like, yeah. I just want to steal them, but then give them back when they poop. I'm done with them then. Um, I love babies. But uh, it cannot affect pregnancy that has already begun. There is no statistically significant evidence that it even harms the pregnancy that has already begun. I did learn while I was researching this that if you have missed pills, like birth control pills, you can take a plan B pill to make up the difference. However, you should talk to a doctor if it's more than three. And you should just talk to a doctor anytime you're going to make a weird medical choice. Um, so to take plan B, because this is the stuff we didn't get in sex ed. It was just, these are your options. We're not going to tell you how to use any of them. Um, and I already talked about with birth control, you take it at the same time every day. Uh, with plan B, you get two pills, you eat something, you take both pills. Do this as soon as humanly possible after you've had sex that could have resulted in pregnancy. Okay. He's not vomiting. Um, taking anti-nausea pills beforehand. She was talking about the cat. <laughs> taking anti-nausea pills beforehand can help because the most common side effect is nausea. If you vomit within an hour of taking them, you should go to the doctor because you might need to get an additional dose. Um, if you've had a bad reaction to it before, you can take the pills separately. One and then one a few hours later. Then there's the sponge. If you are a Seinfeld fan, you have heard about the sponge. If you're not a Seinfeld fan, you're probably better off. Does it live in the pineapple under the sea? It depends on what you call a vagina. <laughs> That's the worst euphemism I've ever heard. Now, I don't know anybody who has ever actually used the sponge, but they are available in um, in many of your contraceptive aisles. And this surprised me. They are 90% effective when used alone. The and it is literally a sponge. A sponge. Uh, basically, you take a sponge. Not not one that you use in your kitchen. You've got to go buy the contraceptive one. <laughs> you can't just grab any sponge. That is how you get infections. And also, you do not want to take it out and wash your dishes with it later. I'm still picturing SpongeBob. God. Well, that's going to get real gross for you here in a second. Okay. So you take the sponge, you sit down, you squat, and you jam it up inside. <laughs> And you make sure it is completely covering your cervix. Now, your cervix, if you are somebody who has ever been up inside a vagina, there is a hard thing that kind of sticks out from the top. That is the cervix. That little thing, that is what the baby comes out of. It is like the width of like a pencil. And a whole ass human comes out of that. I'm not okay with this. Um, You can put it in there six to eight hours before having sex. You're just walking around like a fucking sea sponge incubator at this point. Carrying a sponge all up in. And then, oh wait, no, not, no, sorry, I messed that up. I actually did not write down how long before, but afterward, you have to leave it in. You have to leave it in afterwards for six to eight hours. 
So you are just walking around with a sponge up your vajayjay that is now filled with jizz. I am not discouraging you from using this method of birth control. I am just saying this is another argument for abstinence. <laughs> um, because a pile of sponges. A pile of sponges. Um, and then when you finally do take it out, it will smell real bad. You do throw it in the toilet. You do not, or not in the toilet. You do throw it in the trash, not in the toilet. Throw none of these in the toilet. No, it'll clog everything up, and the mm-hmm. guys have to come out and tr- get everything out, and then they'll judge you. If you have waited too long or something weird has happened, it can result in a vaginal infection. All of this is better than pregnancy. If you do not want to get pregnant, this is a perfectly viable form of birth control. But doubling up with the pill? Better idea. Contraceptive foam, which I did not know existed. But now that I thought about going through the aisles, I'm like, wait, yes, it does. It's exactly what it sounds like. It is 71 to 82% effective on its own, goes up to 98% effective with a condom. It is a foamal spermicide that you just, like moose, that you use in your hands. Um, up in there, no more than an hour before having sex. And it definitely should be used with another form of birth control. Here's the deal with this one. The foam actually heightens the chances of you getting HIV. Oh, that's not good. No. And that is why any sexual partner you have, particularly if you're not using condoms, should agree to an STD test. If they do not agree, do not fuck them. You know what's really easy to do is not have sex with somebody. You just go do what Austin said earlier. <laughs> no. And you walk oh, away. No. You walk away. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about situations like rape. That's a whole other thing. But, I mean, do try to get out of there if you can. But, yeah, um, because it can be an irritant and kind of, like, open stuff up down there if you've got, like, any cuts or anything. Um HIV is passed through the squishy liquid parts, and that makes it easier for the squishy liquid parts to enter your into your bloodstream. Also, don't douche afterwards, which is basically cleaning out your vajayjay. Um, or really, do not do that at all. It messes with the pH balance, can actually increase your chances of infection. Then we have female condoms, 75% to 95% effective. I have seen these. I have never met anybody who uses them. This is the one that you can jam up there up to eight hours before having sex. You're just walking around all day with it, with it up in there. My favorite tip about this that I read is be aware that it can make weird noises when you have sex, <laughs> uh, which is worth considering. Although sex already sounds super gross, so you're just adding new stuff to it. But and I can't believe, according to Region of Peel, which is a um, sex ed program from Canada. Uh, a disadvantage is, quote, the outer ring hangs about 2.5 centimeters outside the v- vagina. Therefore, it's difficult to hide the use of a female condom, unquote. Uh, uh, for our American listeners, that's about an inch. Why do you feel the need to hide the fact that you are using a birth control method? On what planet should you be fucking somebody you're afraid to tell you're using a birth control method? If somebody does not want you using birth control and you want to use birth control, do not have sex with that person. They are trying to control you. Kick them to the curb. Also, um, just like regular condoms, female condoms can prevent STIs and they also cannot be reused. Uh, Vaginal contraceptive film, 70 to 80% effective. I've never heard of this one before. Okay, so you know movies where they take, I think it's X and it's the little like little clear things they just put on their tongue and it dissolves. Yeah. 
Or if you're not a drug user like me, you can probably picture it more as like the the mints that stick to your tongue and immediately dissolve. They're like paper. Oh yeah, I know those. Uh, my first thought that when I read this was the ecstasy I've seen in movie. I think it's ecstasy. Uh, that would be um, acid. Acid. Um, you jam it up in there. It dissolves. It releases a spermicide. You can do this up to three hours beforehand, and it should not affect anything during sex. Neither one of you should feel anything weird. Um, do not mix it up with your acid or your Lysol strips. God, can you even imagine? Well, you probably can't. You're not. You're not, you're a dude. I can't Im- um, imagine sticking a Lysol strip up your nose real far. I guess <laughs> not a Lysol. Uh, I don't remember this. Um, but again. If you, if you are doing this because you have to hide the fact that you're using birth control, do not have sex with that person. We got condoms, 85 to 95% effective. I cannot stress that enough. With condoms, you still have a 15% chance of pregnancy. Do not use them And that's alone. if used correctly. If used correctly. And they also can break, like seriously, there's all this thing about old condoms in your wallet. Don't store your condoms in your wallet. Do not use old condoms. All of these things have expiration dates. They are not suggestions. We're not talking about it's salsa not, it's not. It's not like the milk in your fridge. These are like hard expiration dates. <laughs> I heard it. I, I, I said that. And I wrote this. I started off with, oh, look, guys have to do something. <gasps> no. Now, they did create a male birth control pill. It has the same side effects as the female ones and men, men cried. Um, condoms can prevent pregnancy and most STDs. You can get them for free at a lot of clinics. My phone screen just turned black and... Sorry, your battery's low? Nope. Huh. Um, you can get them for free at clinics and a lot of other places. They're also really cheap over the counter. And all those things you see about them, like, yelling for price checks on condoms, that's for comedy. They're not going to do that. Um, and yeah, buying condoms, it feels very public. It feels embarrassing. The person behind the counter does not care. I remember I've only ever cared about one thing I ever checked out when I worked retail. And it was somebody who bought a bunch of different toy magazines, like children's toys, and then one of the really nasty porn magazines. And I didn't want to think about that. Ugh. But I didn't, like, run around being like, hey, I memorized this guy's name. Um. However, you also need to make sure you get a good condom. The novelty kinds, like flavored or glow-in-the-dark ones, because those have to exist. Well, first of all, I'm going to defend the glow-in-the-dark ones, because you can make lightsaber noises while you have sex. Are you done? Yes. (laughs) Uh, The flavored ones are for giving blowjobs. And it is a good idea to use condoms when you are doing oral sex as well. In fact, I learned this. If you do not have um, one of the other types of birth control that, or one of the other types of pre- preventative things that is used during oral sex, you can actually cut a condom lengthwise and use it as a barrier. It's not oh. perfect. It's not made specifically for this, but it's better than nothing. Um, the novelty kinds are not as effective. And to be clear, this is a very common misconception. Condoms do not protect against all STIs. They only protect against the ones that need the transmission of fluids. HPV and herpes are skin to skin. You are still having skin touch. Ergo, condoms do not protect against those. Talk to your doctor for more information. I am not a medical professional. The more you know. Condoms can be made of latex polyurethane, and lambskin. Latex is considered the most effective in general, but latex allergies are a real thing. So if you find out that somebody has a latex allergy partway through sex, stop having it and uh, seek medical treatment if need be. 
Lambskin is, yes, made from animal tissue, and it is not safe against STIs. Polyurethane, less effective than latex, more effective than lambskin. They also have different thicknesses, uh, regular, thin. They also have different sizes, like regular and extra large. Guys, you are not impressing anybody by buying the big condoms. Buy the ones that fit. Also, I've seen this demonstration where someone put a whole ass watermelon into a regular condom. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, it's not too big for a condom. Mm-hmm. It's not. <laughs> and also, a woman's cervix is a max of five inches long, if I remember right. Not cervix. Uh, the hallway up to the cervix. Um, your, the mezzanine. Having a big-ass dick does not make things better. If anything, it can actually cause more injuries. Uh, some condoms are pre-lubricated, and you should still probably add lube if yours is or isn't, because it lowers the chance of your condom tearing. Oil-based lubes are bad. They break down latex. But the thing is, you should use water-based lubes in general, not anything else, unless you want infections. Do you want infections? I don't think you want infections. Make sure you read the expiration date. Store your condoms in cool, dry places that are dark. Like the Batcave. Yes. We know that was filled with nothing but condoms. Alfred was just, like, restocking it for Batman all the time. Um, this, condoms are way less inconvenient than most women's birth control methods, as you put it on for sex and then you throw it in the trash. You don't have to take it every day. You don't have to walk around with it inside of you for the next several (laughs) hours. Uh, Do not wait until after you've had genital-to-genital contact before putting on the condom. Because first of all, you lost the STI protection. And secondly, things get superheated and oops, sex happened. I mean, you can at any time stop having sex. We aren't like cats. We don't latch on and rip into pieces if you stop. (laughs) Yes, it's a real thing. I know. Um, You're not latched. And consent can also be taken away at any time, but ejaculation can happen real fast, especially if you're a youngin'. Um, alright, and I'm gonna get into it. Setting down my notes. Because even though you can't see me, I'm going to need my hands to, like, help me demonstrate what I'm doing. Here, let me hold this for you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Alright, so in school, we were told, use condoms. Were you ever taught in school how to use one? No. No, you had to guess. And who's going to read the instructions while you're having sex? No one. So here's what you do. You're hard. You have to be hard before you put this on. You carefully open the little wrapper it comes in and you pinch the tip of it. There's like a little bump in the middle when you get it out. You pinch the tip to get any air out of there. You keep that pinched. You place this on the end of your penis, on the tip. And then you carefully, gently roll the entire thing down to the base of your penis. If at any point you feel something snap, if something feels weird, that condom is not good. Take it off. Um, if you had a force, if you have a foreskin, you got to pull it back before you can put the condom over it. Put some lube on the outside after you've got it on and it's secure. You know, it's not going to like wiggle off at any point. And it doesn't feel like it's broken. If anything feels weird, take it off. That condom's not worth it. Sex is not worth it. Um, put lube on the outside because that can help prevent ripping. Do not put lube on the inside. That will make it fall off. Um, As soon as you are done having the sexy times, take off the condom before you get soft. Otherwise, you'll end up with jizz everywhere because you get soft, it falls off, and it'll just all over the bed or wherever you are. So you want to take it, you're going to tie the end off, you're going to throw it in the trash can. Do not flush this down the toilet. Now, look, no mess. You still want to go wash yourself off. She's going to want to go wash herself off. But yeah, so condoms, keep the air out, very gently roll it down, rolling it down. Do not tug it. Do not tug it. 
Austin is like watching my hand motions and losing his shit over here. Um, and they are not reusable. Don't wash these. Do not try to use them again. Even if you're going back for round two with the same person on the same night, get a new condom, you cheap wad. You can, um, I already talked about, yeah, if you feel at any point during sex, a snap, crackle, or pop down there, stop having the sex. There is a good chance that there is a hole in your condom. A condom breaking is not necessarily a big to-do. It might not feel like a rubber band snapping or anything. Ouch. If anything feels at all weird, stop. Because you otherwise might not realize the condom broke until afterwards when you're like tying it up and all of a sudden there's a little drip coming out. And if that happens, go get that plan B pill. All right. And that is how you put on and take off condom. Things that we should have learned in school. Then we got withdrawal. I hear that can kill you if it's severe enough. 70% effective. So yes. Uh, Region of peel. Again, said, quote, it's better than no birth control at all. (laughs) Yeah. But that's pretty much the advantage of it being used alone. It's better than no birth control at all. The idea is that you're going at it, and then right before you're about to finish, you pull out and you jizz all over the place. Really? In front of my salad? (laughs) Uh, There is no protection against STIs. The woman has zero control in the situation, which to me is very frightening. You just have to really, really trust your partner to actually pull out when they say they're going to. Uh, if you are the penis haver, if you've had anything to drink or are relatively new to sex and don't know what it feels like right before you're going to finish, which is different than when you're masturbating, um, you may not know when to pull out. But a big advantage of withdrawal, combine it with any other form of, ma- any other form of birth control and you virtually eliminate the chance of pregnancy if you do it correctly. Because if the sperm does not get a chance to go up there, anything that actually does manage to get up there is less likely to be effective. Um, oh, yeah. And pre-cum does have sperm in it, just so you know. That is not a myth. Um, so if you're doing the heavy petting, we're just just the tip thing. That's that is it may not you whether or not you consider that full blown intercourse is irrelevant. If even pre-cum gets up in there, you can get pregnant. That is a real thing. Then we have the rhythm method. Austin heard me angry typing during this. I I was in a different room with headphones on. I could hear her slamming down on that keyboard. At best, the rhythm method is 76% effective. At best. Now, yes, that is higher than withdrawal. But at least with withdrawal, you are not lying to yourself about the risks. Um... It means that you don't have sex while someone is ovulating, except ovulation isn't an exact science. And uh, like theoretically you ovulate halfway through your cycle, but you don't necessarily. So like, I'm saying this is bullshit to the point where several of the academic sex ed things I looked at were basically don't even fucking bother. You might as well just be having sex. Google got so mad that when I tried to look this up, my internet turned off. And I'm not making this up. Austin was was here. It was just for her. It was still fine on my computer. And that 76% that's effective, that's if you do it perfectly, which takes a minimum of six months of planning. To plan this, you have to look at your cycle every single month and do a lot of math. The first day of your cycle, this is actually something a lot of women are confused about, people who have periods are confused about. The first day of your cycle is the first day you start bleeding. But, oh, you started overnight and don't know if it started on Saturday or Sunday? Don't know how to help you. Um, oh, it started and then it stopped and then it started again? I don't know how to help you. I don't know when your fucking cycle started. You figure out the shortest length of your cycle. Then you figure out the length of your longest cycle. This is over the course of six months. 
Subtract 18 from the shortest one and 11 from the longest one. So if your shortest cycle was 20 days and your longest one was 30 days, you now have two and 19. This essentially means you can't have sex from days two to 19 of your cycle. This is ridiculous. If you average a 28 day cycle, that means you have like 11 days on which you can have sex. And for half of that, you'll be on your period. And since sperm can live in your body for three days, maybe even five, you probably should subtract another three to five days. So now you're down to like eight, all of which you're on your period. Now, there's nothing wrong with period sex if you're into that, but... They wrote a song about it for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Your period does not prevent sex. Or does not prevent pregnancy. Or sex. But your period does not prevent pregnancy because of how long sperm can live in your body. Your period is not rinsing out the sperm. It is just removing horrible tissue from your body and trying to kill you the whole time. Wait, wait, no, no. All of the commercials I've seen for that show it coming out is like a flood of blue liquid. Ugh. There's a really great TikToker, guys. I'll have to look him up. But <laughs> yeah, you, he does, you're like, telling me about he that. He researches this stuff now because he got, like, the whole um, giving birth is more painful. Oh, no, period cramps can be as painful as a heart attack. Like, got him, I think. And so now he's, like, asking people about pregnancy and birth and all that. And he's, like, learning about it. It's amazing. He's funny. Um, and then as you go on, you have to keep recording your, your cycle every month and adjusting and hoping you don't get pregnant. And then things like stress, illness, medication, everything else can affect your cycle, but in ways that don't actually affect your overall cycle. And if you have irregular cycles, you are basically pregnant already. There's also a standard method in which you can just say, I'm going to pretend I never ovulate on a different day and say this is the same every month. But hey, at least you can make a cute little cycle beads necklace to show off when you're ovulating and when you're not. That's horrifying. It's colorful beads. Ugh. Now, don't get me wrong. Fertility tracking is awesome. I know that there's some stuff regarding a review aid right now. But if you are trying to get pregnant, absolutely do this. If you are not trying to get pregnant, absolutely do this. It is at least a rough idea. But if you're not trying to get pregnant, use another form of birth control and then you can also avoid having sex in the days you're likely to be ovulating. And you have, again, lowered your chances of getting knocked up. Okay, hearing about all of this, this sounds like astrology, but with consequences. Yes. Um, that's what I say here. Um, there's too much planning and you may as well stick with abstinence because it has less math. That's how I refer to this. <laughs> wow, the only thing that requires less math than abstinence. Um... So there are other sexual activities you can do that can have the same essential results that do not involve pregnancy. I'm not going to get into the other sex acts you can do today. Are you talking about the loophole? Not specifically. <laughs> there are other ways to have what some people would consider sex that is not penis and vagina. And I'm also, I'm not saying that people who aren't having P and B sex are not having sex. That's not what I mean. Um, I'm saying like, and. I know this has been a very hetero-heavy thing, and I'm aware that people who are... Not all uterus havers are female. Plenty of uterus havers are trans or intersex. Just like many penis havers are trans or intersex. But no matter what, if you're going to have the dirty times, it falls on both of you to prevent pregnancy. It is not just on her. Stop pretending it is. Guys, condoms, not that bad. Get over it. And, um... This is something they won't tell you. It's less fun for the girl when you're wearing one too. But you know what is really not fun for the girl or for the uterus haver? 
being pregnant, carrying your spawn for months before it comes out of something the size of a pencil. Um, so those are the basic birth control methods that you can get largely over the counter except for the birth control pills. And even then, those are surprisingly easy to get in most states, regardless of your age, because better safe than sorry. Uh, there are people, Clarence Thomas, again, trying to reban birth control. I'll go back to my birth control episode to learn about what that was like the first time because there was, in fact, a black market. So, um... Obviously, I didn't get into abortion because abortion is not a method of birth control and nobody has ever said it was. Other than people who want to ban it. I think other than people who don't understand things. Yeah, it's like having an abortion is a medical procedure. It is not fully safe because of that. It is more safe than, you know, trying to do it yourself. And it is more safe than pregnancy. And it's not cheap. The government does not pay for it. And not all health insurance covers it. So... Birth con- ab- abortion is not a method of birth control. It is a medical procedure. And that is how you prevent pregnancy. Uh, not 100% foolproof, other than abstinence, but pretty much. Oh, you didn't mention IEDs. IUDs. IEDs are bombs. <laughs> I only talked about things you can get over the counter. Okay. Um, if, you, if I was going with the other stuff, it was going to take much longer. Okay. And I actually considered splitting this into several episodes, but because we're so, already at an hour and 40 right now. Oh, good God. This is our longest episode. Yeah, but it's important. This is very important. Now, if you want to cut it into two different episodes. Nah, I'm going to... Uh, this will be... The entire thing will be out there and uncut. Kind of like uh, the foreskin havers. Which I, I was thinking now, about that the second I said uncut, and now, I'm often, glad you just drove that home. If somebody has foreskin, what should they do when they're putting on a condom? Peel it back. Yes, peel back the foreskin and then peel back the condom. Now, I'm doing my questions a little differently. Okay. I'm going to ask you, fact or myth? Ooh, exciting. Fact or myth? Pre-cum can get you pregnant. Fact. Fact or myth? You can get pregnant on your period. Fact. Fact or myth? Blue balls. Myth. I talk. I didn't talk about these. Basically, it's a lie that guys used to tell. They don't do it as much anymore, I hope. Basically saying... But my balls hurt. If I don't, if I don't ejaculate soon, then it's going to burst. That would, okay. First of all, that would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. And I think if someone told that to you, it'd be like, good. Okay, sounds like I a new problem. It. Um, yeah, I'm not saying it's not uncomfortable for guys. I'm saying if they really get uncomfortable, they can just go to the bathroom and take care of it themselves. And um, fact or myth. Other than abstinence, other forms of birth control are, are can be 100% effective. Fact. Myth. Myth. Uh. No birth control, even when you double up, is 100% effective. Mm. Um, which is why I recommend using at least two forms, ideally three. My my perfect like combination here, actually, or I guess you can really think of it that way. Birth control pill, condom with spermicide, um, so that's two, and withdrawing. Yeah. All of that, you're pretty, it'd be, it, you'd be in amazing if you got pregnant that'd be like a fucking miracle um then of course there are permanent things like vasectomies and um tubal litigation litigation and i i know but tubal litigation is what is happening in the supreme court so <laughs> yeah that is uh something i thought i was very important i changed my topic at the last minute which is why we're releasing this a day late because i wanted to talk about this and how important it is um because austin and i never got the opportunity to learn and i think it's important that other people do because you can be 50 and still not know this stuff. We were too busy learning that bats locate insects to via echolocation. Um, I was too busy learning that mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. 
trying to think of all if anything I don't think anything I learned in school would have been more important than this and that is coming from somebody who loved school yeah I'm actually thinking about the stuff I learned uh, I learned Latin um, I learned about the dangers of PCP extensively now have I ever met somebody who's done PCP no what have I met a lot of drug addicts yes but we spent days maybe a solid week just on PCP oh yeah PCP PCP a B PCP PCP Google the PCP video you guys will find out what we're talking about we're not making fun of people with addiction we are making fun of how badly done that video is. we are making fun of PSA videos from I'm guessing the 80s oh yeah um so where can people find us they can find us on Twitter at on the test pod on Facebook at facebook.com slash on the test pod on Instagram at on the test pod on TikTok at on the test pod and our website on the test Yep. And we would love it if you rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. It really would help us out to get more people on this train, especially now that we are talking about some really important stuff, given the current nature of the world. Um, and uh, if you don't want to get pregnant, try not to. If you do want to get pregnant, best of luck to you. Yeah. We, we like we like babies around here. Austin's scared of them, but he doesn't dislike them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're all right. I just don't want to touch them or hold them. Although my cousin made him hold hers, and he did a really good job. He didn't cry once. What are you talking about? I cried the entire time. That's what I'm talking. I'm talking. I'm the baby. Yeah. The baby didn't cry. I cried. <laughs> and not tears of joy. It was tears of fear. He's like they have a self destruct button. He was covered in fur. He's very he was really sweet. cute. He's very sweet. And um, I guess also, I if you uh, another great way I guess to prevent pregnancy is to be play our podcast during sex. <laughs> Specifically this episode. Yeah, um, especially the parts where I talk about the smells and the shitting on the table and the breaking your tailbone. Hey, that might be somebody's thing. And let's not forget the fact that if you have a C-section, you're awake. And they're moving organs out of the way and throwing them on a plate. Yeah, especially during emergency C-sections, they are like removing organs to get down to it. Which, frankly, I'm like, that's awesome. Like... I would want to watch it. I'd be like, I need a mirror so I can see this happening. Because when else do you see your own organs if you're not actively dying? But I'm a little weird. And on that note, class class dismissed. dismissed.